Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris, coming to you from our world-famous Turn It, Don't Burn It studios here in Portland. Yay! And it's not even that hot today. Woohoo! We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. Great beef if you ever get a chance to do it. Or find out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com and see if uh, they got a locator there. See if you've got it uh store or restaurant that uses it in your area so one thing we talk about in barbecue and if you follow any of the social media platforms there's always this thing about hot sauce i mean they've even got a tv show about trying to just burn the total crap out of your mouth with some celebrity eating wings and i'm a wing fan um but a lot of people don't understand it there's a lot of difference in, in peppers. There's a lot of difference in sauce, sauce combinations. So I tracked down a new friend of the show, John Hallner, the hot sauce sensei from Atlanta. Um, and you can find him on Twitter and some of the other uh, social media things. And John's going to be with us right now to talk about all these different types of hot sauces and peppers, et cetera. John, welcome. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's an honor to be here uh, speaking to the Barbecue Nation. Ah, well, we appreciate it all the time. So before we actually jump into all the technical stuff, if you will, about peppers and sauces and that, how did you come about being the hot sauce sensei? Well, Jeff, I'm glad you asked. It's actually a a 35-year journey that's gotten me to this point. So when I was in high school, I actually was in, in swimming uh, so my mom uh, would be working at the hospital, and my father, unfortunately, had to travel uh, quite a bit for his job. So by the time I got out of swim practice and got home, there usually was uh, either I had to fend for myself or you know, I had to uh, you know, just kind of deal with whatever was available. And, and, you know, as a swimmer, I like to eat. <laughs> yep. So I, I said to myself, you know what, I think I need to learn how to cook some more. And when I was in uh, elementary school, uh, there was a guy on TV, some of you may remember him, Martin Yan with uh, Jan Khan Cook or Walk With Jan. And he really got me excited about food in general. And uh, obviously, Chinese food was not something I was uh, eating a whole lot of in uh, suburban Cleveland at the time. So the idea of seeing all these exotic ingredients, uh, ginger and lotus root and bok choy, uh, really kind of caught my excitement. So that was one of the first cuisines that I started to cook. And, and the funny thing, that when I look back on it, my home bringing up really didn't have a lot of hot sauce in it. We didn't have the typical bottle of Tabasco that you might see in the refrigerator. And, and quite honestly, my, my father is German by heritage, so he doesn't even like garlic that much, which, you know, to a hot sauce guy is like, yeah, really? That's <laughs> a sacrilege so, right there. So Exactly, exactly. So I, I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't look at my upbringing and say, oh, this guy's going to be all over hot sauce. But... What uh, ended up happening is I ended up going to the University of Buffalo, 
uh, for my uh, engineering studies. And that uh, basically opened up my eyes to what hot sauce is, obviously Buffalo being the home of, of the Buffalo wing. And the uh, love that that city has for all things uh, wing sauce and buffalo wing sauce. So that's, I think, really where I started uh, to explore the uh, the hot sauce genre. Uh, at the time, also, I had gotten into uh, working in kitchens. I had started working in, in uh, resorts and restaurants and on the service side of things. But I said one summer, uh, you know, when I knew I was not going to be living in the dorms and eating the uh, cafeteria food, I said, well, I think I need to... Uh, I think I need to learn how to, to cook for myself a little bit more. And, and I said, you know what? Uh, I, I think I kind of like, I want to work in a, in a kitchen this summer. And my mom happened to know uh, a restaurant owner reasonably well. And uh, so he, you know, kind of had me come in and talk to the chef and uh, chef basically uh, asked me some questions and he, he brought me in and, you know, put me on prep for a couple of days. And then as soon as he saw that I could at least handle a knife and not kill myself, <laughs> yeah. he said, you know what, you're, you're good. I'm, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to work prep. You're going to go work the line. <laughs> well, that's cool. So, yeah. And it, it really was a, a great opportunity. I, you know, again, I'm, I, I will not call myself a chef because I've not been to culinary school. I was very fortunate though. Uh, to have my head chef, Brian, uh, at the ginger man in Albany, New York, uh, that uh, basically took me under his wing and gave me some guidance on some basics of uh, sauce making in general and some you know classic technique. It was a uh, continental cuisine restaurant. And uh, so we uh, basically gave me a, a walk-in cooler full of ingredients and shelves full of spices. And, uh, you know, we had a hundred kinds of wine by the glass up front and 35 taps. So, I was able to get a great uh, knowledge of flavors and different things in the culinary world that the average person may not always have immediately available. And that's where between my natural curiosity with food and the ability to understand and start developing your palate really started progressing my uh, love of cooking in general and just what I was doing uh, for uh, you know, the work that I was doing in the sure. restaurant. So, sure. but now, and, and the good news was, is I actually did pretty well in my engineering studies. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ended up staying in that field and, and actually, uh, when I finished, uh, I ended up getting into just technical sales and I've been doing that for, uh, over uh, 25 years at this point. But the interesting thing to me about engineering is, is it's very practical discipline. My favorite class in engineering school was heat transfer. And I wonder why, because that yeah. explains all of cooking. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the, the, the other thing that engineering does is it helps you to look at systems and understand the individual components and how each of those individual components interact with each other. So when you are cooking in general, there are all sorts of things that are going to go into building flavor. So I like to think of myself as a little bit of a culinary engineer. Oh. When, I, uh, when I finished school... I actually uh, started selling Pampered Chef, uh, which was you know kind of my mom had a neighbor who was selling it, and I said, wait a minute, I can get paid to teach cooking and meet women. I said, this sounds like a pretty good gig <laughs> on the side. I'm a single guy, uh, I had some extra time, uh, so I uh, I basically said, where do I sign up? And I started uh, being a Pampered Chef rep, and and doing all these little parties and teaching people cooking. So the, the educational aspect of cooking is, uh, you know, and why I call myself the sensei 
is because I had been teaching cooking when I did all those home demonstrations to, to sell the Pampered Chef uh, cookingware. And I developed a, a lot of my own recipes that I would do in those shows. Uh, one of the things I did was actually uh, what I call a single chili pod tasting. And uh, I personally, I, I love chili, which, you know, a lot of folks in Barbecue Nation, uh, you know, swear by their chili recipes. Oh, sure. And uh, barbecue, barbecue meat, you know, is great in chili uh, a lot of time, and it really has that extra flavor. Uh, but when you start looking at commercial products called chili powder, what what exactly are you getting there? <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's a it's the type of thing where having uh, the knowledge of what the individual chilies taste like goes back to that engineering side of me saying, how do I want to spice this up, or what flavor is this going to bring into my chili? And that was one of the areas where I really started to understand and differentiate between different chilies. Yeah. We're talking with John Hallner the, <clears throat> from Atlanta, the hot sauce sensei. Um, you can follow him on Twitter and he's got his own website. So we're going to get to all that too. I was going to tell you that my wife and I have been married long enough that now we're on our second bottle of Tabasco. Um, I know that's an old <laughs> joke, but it is true. Um, when I was growing up on the farm, about the spiciest thing we had, because we had a little bottle of Tabasco that nobody ever used, I think it, <laughs> I, I think it outlived three refrigerators out there. But uh, Lee and Perrin was about the spiciest thing we had. Yep. And, and every once yep. in a while, we'd, my mom would really splurge and get some A1 or Heinz 57. And, uh, <laughs> you know... Because my dad was not into spicy foods at all. He was kind of a meat and potato, straight down the line kind of guy, which is fine. But kind of like you, I started exploring with flavors. Guy that's been on this show a number of times and a good friend, Graham Kerr, the Galloping Gourmet, kind of got me thinking about that as a, at a very young age. And so I started experimenting with... Uh, you know, sauces and, and spices and different things over the years. And uh, I, I think you create things and tend to um, lean towards things that are pleasing to your own palate. And then a lot of times yeah. that can be pleasing to other people's palates too, as you're finding out and proving in your work. So it, um, you know, it, it's all a journey, I guess, John, is the way I would say it. It's a, it's a, absolutely, it's a palette journey for all of us. And you've kind of selected some areas that I think that uh, people actually do need help in because um, I'm, we're going to go to break here in about a minute. But what's interesting to me is a lot of people, when they're getting into peppers and sauces and things, they're, they're just going for the hot. They're not going for the flavor of either the food or the pepper that they're choosing to use. And we're going to get your comments about that on the other side of the break here in a little bit. But absolutely. But I really think that, I mean, as we were talking off the air and there's that guy that's doing a TV show with the celebrities and they're sitting there yep. eating hot wings, you know, and burning the crap out of their mouth. Um, the conversation and stuff is fun, but I'm not even oh, sure yeah. it's fun to see the look on their face when they bite into something with, you know, 200,000 Scoville rating yeah. on it, you know? Yeah. It, it's a cool joke, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is because, uh, you know, they're, and I know why they do it. Cause I do TV stuff too. And they, they do it for ratings and they drag some sure. 
celebrity and they're warned before they go on there. They don't, you know, try to bushwhack them or anything, but it's just crazy to, cause there's no taste of the food. You know, if you want to right. eat something hot, go put a charcoal in your mouth right out of the, <laughs> you know, out of your Weber. Go, Oh, here, you know that anyway, um, that's pretty crazy. We're going to be back. I'm sorry. I rambled on like that for a second, but I kind of just wanted to get that out there. We're going to be back here with John Holder, the hot sauce Sensi or, uh, from Atlanta. We're going to talk to him more about the different peppers and the different spices and all kinds of things. You're listening to Barbecue Nation on the Sun Radio Network. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Networks. I am your host, JT. Bet you're happy about that. Uh, we've got John Holner, the hot sauce sensei from Atlanta, with us today. If you'd like to contact us, just go to Barbecue Nation. That's bbqnationjt.com. There's a thing there. You can send me an email. It gets right to me. How's that? You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter and 30 other platforms out there. We're on a bunch of them. So... If you can't find us, it's your fault. I'll just put it that way. Um, we're talking with Hot Sauce Sensei today, John Holner. Now, being an engineer, to me, gives you kind of credence as a logical thinker. Um, Absolutely. And kind of, I don't want to say linear, because not everything is linear, but there is some linear thinking, even in cooking. I'm sure there is an engineering about the only thing I could ever engineer was two, two by fours nailed together. But point <laughs> point being is when did you know you were going to like take this approach to food? I mean, was it while you were working in those restaurants or was it a little bit later in life? And you said, you know, I can logically lay this out and this is where it goes kind of like a big test project. And then you say, okay, here's my research. And this is what I found out. Um, and there's an end product for that, whether it's a sauce or a seasoning or whatever. Yeah, great question, Jeff. The training that I took for myself, again, when I knew I was going to be uh, going off campus, uh, that summer I uh, actually went to the public library. Imagine that we have you know these, these buildings where there's a bunch of books. <laughs> we didn't just Google everything. Right. <laughs> But uh, obviously they had, you know, hundreds of cookbooks uh, and, you know, it's pretty easy to learn how to cook a piece of protein. Sure. But to be able to understand how to make a sauce, the one of the five mother sauces, and then what herbs and spices you can combine to add to that sauce to come up with one of the infinite variations off the five mother sauces was really where I started my own personal education. And if you've got children that are curious about food or curious about cooking, I really encourage you to get them into understanding the five mother sauces and how different flavors play with each other. Because you can really get uh, 
creative and explorative at that point. So let's but, talk about the five mother sauces, John. Lay it yep. on my listeners here. What are they and what what are they comprised of? Yes. Yeah, so uh, vinaigrette is one of them. Uh, bechamel, which is basically your, your white sauce, uh, which uh, would be you know, your traditional roux, uh, the right. um, uh, butterflower uh, milk. Uh, you have your um, uh, demi-glace uh, or sauce of fignol. Uh, you have your velouté. Uh, which is, um, you know, instead of using uh, a berry, uh, you're using stock uh, with your um, uh, your uh, roux to, mm-hmm. to get that kind of a sauce. And then the last one is escaping me right off the top of my head. I uh, wasn't ready to uh, <laughs> <laughs> roll off all the mother sauces. My training is a little bit back in the, in the, the recesses of my brain. Uh, I, but uh, if, if you remember the fifth one, that would be great to bail me out. But um, uh, nonetheless, the uh, the idea, uh, I love the Lute sauces, uh, being able to take stock and make a pan sauce, uh, you know, by uh, either incorporating a little bit of roux into the pan uh, and, and thickening things up, uh, I, I made uh, in college when I actually moved off campus. I started uh, actually catering all of my fraternities' parties uh, so much so that one uh, one year the one of the other fraternities was trying to mock us, uh, and they they had a sign rolling across with my fraternity's name and, and Culinary Institute, and, and then all the other sororities started clapping. Uh, so um, that was that was kind of a cool moment for me personally. <laughs> uh, you know, because I, I had developed a, a pretty good reputation of, of doing a nice job to feed the ladies, uh, you know, at our college parties. But also, we didn't have a big fraternity house. So we were just living in a residential house. Uh, but I was the, the, you know, house chef, basically, um, you know, for lack of a better expression. So uh, and that also gave me a lot of additional cooking time uh, where I was making a lot of, you know, uh, sauces uh, to go with food because, for about the same amount of money uh, that you would spend on a sub or uh, going to um, get some other fast food, uh, you could have a restaurant prepared, you know, restaurant quality meal prepared. And I had my fraternity brothers taking pictures of the food and sending it home to their parents and, and being like, you know, this is what I had for dinner tonight. And they're, you know, like, you're doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you are. Indeed. But, but getting back to your original question about the logical order of things, uh, you know, hot sauce definitely has a very logical order to it. And, you know, to me, some of the confusion around hot sauce, and actually, I don't know, I was reading an article just last week from Instacart, and they said that the most hated condiment is hot sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, you know, that's, that's crazy. Said, that's fine. There's more for the rest of us, uh, for those of you who are haters. But when you think about what a lot of people see as hot sauce, it's, you know, maybe those more popular brands. Tabasco actually, I think, was the most hated hot sauce uh, brand, which is funny because it's also one of the largest producing and you know, longest running hot sauces. So, right. Uh, but a lot of people really complain that it's too vinegary, and yep. you know, so uh, you know, a pepper sauce is really the, the like a Tabasco is just three ingredients: peppers, salt, and vinegar. So when you take those first three ingredients. Actually, one of the things that's uh, going to be in, in one of my cookbooks, I'm, I started this project about two years ago to uh, basically write a cookbook because I've, I've wanted to write a cookbook for about 30 years. 
Uh, however, you know, life got in the way. <laughs> yeah. Hey, John, we got to take a break. I, I'm over oh, on time. Worry. I've got hung up listening to you there and didn't look at the little TikTok machine. Uh, John and I will be back in just a minute right here on Barbecue Nation. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and I'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way nature uh, intended, and beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef, and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives. For excellent quality and efficiency in the kitchen, I invite you to check out Gunter, that's G-U-N-T-E-R, WilhelmKnives.com. We're talking with uh, John Hallner, the hot sauce sensei. So you were talking about mixing some, you know, some vinegar and um, some salt and some, you know, pepper together uh, to, to make your basic hot sauce. Exactly. So the the reality is, is, you know, when you go into the store today, one of the reasons that I started making hot sauce was because I really wasn't all that excited about a lot of the sauces that were on the shelves in right. the store. And the reason for that is that a lot of, you know, even even some of the hot sauce shops that you go into, if you start flipping the bottle around, basically it is one pepper. Uh, salt, vinegar, maybe some water. Uh, if they did more of a fermented sauce, uh, where you're, you're, the fermentation process actually creates the acid uh, that would replace the normal vinegar uh, in the uh, sauce making to preserve it and get the pH low enough. Sure. Uh, but uh, you know, but you know, then they're going to throw some xanthan gum in there, and, and xanthan gum is, is is a natural thickener. Uh, you'll find it in salad dressings and uh, other uh, condiments on, on a regular basis. But it's not, they're not really trying to go much beyond giving you some capsaicin heat and some salt, uh, and then, you know, maybe making it thick enough so that it doesn't come, you know, flying out of the bottle when you go to pour it. Uh, and, and even, you know, again, uh, there, there's different places that'll have chains, you know, in, in the, the bigger cities, and they'll have, you know, maybe 100 different sauces, but 75 of them are either cayenne. Maybe chipotle, maybe jalapeno. Mm-hmm. These days, you might see a ghost chili or a reaper, uh, Carolina reaper, which is you know currently the, the world's hottest chili. Although there's you know Ed Curry who developed it at Pucker Butt Farms, 
he's uh, already you know created some new hybrids that are about twice as hot as, as the Reaper, and they just haven't been formally lab tested and everything else. But you know, I, I wasn't ex- exactly thrilled. The other thing that kind of kicked me off on this this route is I was in Asheville, North Carolina. And I was at a brewery that was, uh, you know, had their own hot sauce, and and it was a smoked habanero hot sauce, and it was fantastic. And the first thing that came to mind is, I really don't want to drive four hours to get another bottle when this one is gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I better figure out how I can make this at home. And and you know that one bottle of hot sauce, habanero uh, from from uh, Barmari in, in Asheville. Uh, was really what started me on the journey of rediscovering just how much diversity there was in hot sauce. I think that's kind of fascinating, you know, because I have, like all of us, that if you've ever traveled or anything, I have friends that live around the country, different parts of the country. And I remember I've got some friends that live up in Buffalo, just outside of Buffalo, and they Mm -hmm. sent me one year kind of a gift pack. I think there was three sauces in it of the original wing yep. sauce. Okay. From the, from the bar tavern, whatever you want to call it, that started all yeah, that. Bar, yep. 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 And, uh, you know, they were great. I loved them. My wife, does, my wife doesn't like really spicy food. She's kind of lily lipped about that. And so, you know, anything stronger than, you know, a big Mac, that's pretty tough on her. So anyway, sure. uh, um, but I love it because uh, I love the the flavorings. But let me interject something here. We we kind of brushed Please. on this last segment. What is it with people that want the sauce so hot that you can't taste the meat? Because I personally think that people promoting that, well, you can't taste the food, whether it's protein or vegetable, doesn't matter. Right. When... To me, the sauce should always kind of complement it. It can be hotter than blazes, but it should complement it. And I and I think that's what turns people off about so many of the hot sauces. It is, you know, it is. And so let's talk a little bit of botany real quickly. Sure. So peppers, peppers are actually berries, right? Uh, botanically speaking, so the flavors that you get in peppers. Uh, are typically going to mimic what you might get in various, you know, red fruits, dark fruits, your strawberries, blackberries, raspberries. Uh, you know, there's a lot of those types of flavors. And, and actually, there's five different major species of peppers that are available. You have your know, capsicum anum, which is your uh, jalapenos and uh, your... Um, Bell peppers fall into that. Serranos, uh, you know, all the way up to the uh, the, the Thai chilies or the peri peri, yep. uh, you know, um, that are that are that family. You have your capsicum sinense, uh, and that's basically all of your habaneros. So sinense, they actually thought habaneros were from China, or that you know all of the you know peppers actually originated from the you know, Peru, Bolivia area, and they've got, you know, archaeological studies that go back thousands of years, and they found them in, you know, preserved in, like, volcano-type dig sites and, and mm-hmm. things along those lines, but they've actually found the seeds uh, in the cooking vessels and whatnot. Uh, but uh, the, the capsicum sinense, your habaneros, your scotch bonnets, your ghost chilies, your scorpions, your, you know, Carolina reapers, 
Uh, and, and a lot of those, uh, you know, higher level peppers like the Reaper, you know, were botanically cross pollinated and, uh, you know, engineered to a degree mm-hmm. to be hotter and hotter and hotter. Uh, you know, so and but those also the capsule tenente have more tropical and stone fruit notes to them. So your apricots and your peaches are going to get a lot of those uh, notes. And then similarly, uh, there's a lot of uh, the, those those tropical notes also are what we see in pineapple. Actually, the blog I just finished writing um, here this week is on a, uh, a pineapple hot sauce that has both habanero and uh, chipotle, which is just a, a smoked uh, uh, jalapeno. Sure. Uh, so. Um, but you know the uh, so all of those different flavors you're going to get. You have also you have uh, frutescence, uh, capsicum frutescence, which is uh, your uh, Tabasco, uh, and they they fall into that range. Uh, you have uh, vacatum, and you have cubescence, uh, and to, to round out the other ones, the uh, Peruvian chilies and the ahi family fall into one of those categories, and then you have uh, you know more obscure chilies that you don't typically see in the market. When I think about you know, what you're going to find when you walk into the average grocery store. And in Atlanta, we have, you know, Kroger and Publix is the you know two main sure. you know, grocery store chains. You know, you can usually find some jalapenos. Sometimes you can find some serranos. Normally, they're going to have some poblanos. Uh, and then typically, they might have some habanero. Uh, so, you know, really to, to start getting into the more unusual and unique places, you want to try and find a, an international farmer's market or a, a farmer's market or an international market. Uh, to get that. But, I, you know, getting back to your question about why does it have to be so hot? <laughs> I think it's, you know, there's there's certainly a, uh, uh, that you have to watch like the train wreck type situation. Right. And, and there's that there's that anticipation of, you know, when somebody does, because we, um, you know, we've all had one of our friends that's pranked us and given us a ridiculously hot, hot sauce and, and just blasted us out. And, you know, then it's kind of, ah, ha, ha, and everybody's laughing and, you know, the tip of the person who's not used to that and <laughs> right. we're running around. Uh, well, you know, my brother, has, you know, when he was in high school, uh, he was at the grocery store and, and, and he's like, uh, his friend dared him to eat a habanero. He's like, I'm a football player. I can handle this. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he was running around the store trying to find dairy to squelch, uh, you know, this little uh, misadventure of his. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that was the comment. That, I'm a football player. I can handle this. But, uh, you know, so, you know, but, you know, when you look at children in Mexico that, you know, start eating these peppers from, you know, very, very early age and they're served with the, at the table, you build up a tolerance to that type of thing. So, you know, and, and certainly some people like that head rush that you get and the release of endorphins. But when it comes, again, to, to eating the foods, I think it's, it's a, you know, again, you have to have to think about it. And, and from my perspective, everything that I do, and, and when I sat down to, to start the cookbook, I said, I, I am going to have a, an engineering approach to this. I standardized all my recipes on a one cup of liquid base, which is about, you know, when you think about a normal hot sauce bottle, they call it a woozy bottle. Mm-hmm. It's a five ounce bottle. You know, so sometimes you'll see some nine ounce and, uh, you know, a little bit smaller occasionally, but, uh, you know, so a couple of liquid will essentially give you about two bottles of sauce. And this is a fresh sauce. You know, so while, again, I know enough about chemistry and, and the acid level, which is the, the, the pH of the of the, the sauce, mm-hmm. you know, normal, normal shelf stability for a condiment should be about four and a half or lower. You know, the lower the pH, the more acidic it is. So, you know, by using your vinegars uh, and, you know, also throwing in salt to preserve it, you can get the pH down. And I, I mean, I've 
personally have sauce that I've uh, been eating for over a year. And that's partially because I've uh, worked on over 150 recipes in the last two years that I've been uh, embarked on this project. <laughs> so I've got, I've, got all sorts, I've got all sorts of sauce, and I've, I've got sauce that I forgot that I had. And then all of a sudden, I'll be like rummaging around. And about every two months, my wife yells at me to clean out uh, the refrigerator because I've taken over the entire top shelf, yep. the entire one left door. I had uh, two shelves in the refrigerator in the garage. Uh, filled with various uh, vinegars and various states of, uh, you know, marinating <laughs> herbs and peppers and, and and everything else. And every once in a while, I hit on something good like my, uh, you know, pineapple shrub uh, that I do with the pineapple core. Uh, great tip. And don't throw that core out. Throw it in some white vinegar. And then you can mix that with a little bit of simple syrup or maple syrup and, and have a, a very interesting non-alcoholic beverage. I throw a chipotle chili in there. And then I use that in my cocktails, uh, you know, which I, I really like. Instead of using bitters in an old-fashioned, I use a, a little pineapple chipotle shrub. Uh, but uh, I, I digress. No, it's all it's all good. Um, yeah, I've got some stories about uh, different peppers, and and that is, I know you certainly do. But we will get to more of those in just a minute. Here, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, please stay with us. We're going to be back on. Barbecue Nation with John Holner, the hot sauce sensei, right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Network. A couple of newsworthy things here. Uh, The meetup in Memphis is in March 2022, which isn't that far away. It was supposed this is all through Amazing Ribs and Meet My Buddy Meathead and all that. That was supposed to be this year, this August coming up. Not not happening just because of the new COVID stuff and blah, blah, blah. You know, God, it's just endless. But anyway. They are going to be there in Memphis in March. Uh, you can still get your shot at that by going to AmazingRibs.com. Ed Riley's coming up in the second hour here. And we've been uh, talking with John Holner, the hot sauce sensei. Tell us about, you know, peppers. And there's some misnomers about them. Um, you know, peppers, they themselves, like, for example, jalapenos, they can vary in heat uh at least up here i've noticed because it depends on what time of year they've been picked and harvested and and all that stuff so kind of give us a a three minute rough nails thumbnail sketch i mean on that yeah so actually before i dive into all of that i've got a lot of that kind of information on my website which is hot sauce cookbook.com and i have you know basic recipes for jalapeno sauce guajillo sauce uh, I'm going to be probably putting a, uh, a, or a cayenne sauce on there here shortly. Uh, but, you know, so I talk a lot about the, the differences in, in peppers on my uh, website. So certainly feel free to check that out. And the uh, big thing that I see a lot of times is, you know, the, when you need to try to figure out how hot your sauce is going to be, and, and this is where a lot of people get, they get blasted out and they don't like it. You know, I, I use what I call a low pepper, high pepper approach to building a hot sauce. 
Uh, and then, you know, so if it's going to be just a straight pepper sauce, because some some purists get very upset when you start throwing adjuncts into your hot sauce. They don't <laughs> call it a hot sauce at that point. You know, they, you know, it's it's just a sauce, you know. But, I, you know, again, you know, you can't have so much of a Carolina Reaper. Uh, I actually, uh, my brother-in-law brought me a bottle from Bucky's. If you've ever heard of the truck stop in, you know, uh, uh, Arkansas, Oklahoma, yep. Texas. You know, so they, he brought me a bottle of Carolina Reaper sauce. I took it down in about a week and a half because it was manageable and it was really well done. And that's, that's I think, you know, when I say, uh, you know, the heat levels, they, they didn't put so much of the pepper in there that it blew me away. That It had a little bit of a tomatoey base to it. Uh, and and you got the flavor that those you know tropical kind of notes that the the Sinense chilies have mixed with that that pepper. But you know, so when it comes to you know your things like sriracha, uh, those are that's a jalapeno based sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas even like Tabasco, even though it's a cayenne pepper sauce, so the Scoville heat unit or SHU, uh, you know. Jalapenos, they started between like 3,000 and 5,000, whereas chipotles are mature dried ones can go up to around 10,000. So just in that one chili, you know, family by itself, depending upon how ripe it is, what the growing conditions were, you know, whether it was really dry or overly wet or how long it stayed on the, on the plant, it's going to change the amount of capsaicin. So you will see the range normally in anywhere from, you know, thousands to tens of thousands uh, or even you know, over a hundred thousand in some cases, uh, with the different peppers. So you're playing a little bit of Russian roulette every time you make a sauce. <laughs> yeah. And no two sauces are no two sauces are ever gonna be the same. Right. But you know, for your you know, I, I get a lot of friends who like, oh I can't do hot sauce and I, I give them a guajillo pepper hot sauce, which is a nice tart, low heat chili. And they're like blown away. My neighbors, you know, uh, I had, we had him over. He's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, try this one. He goes, oh my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever had. So I've made several bottles for them since then. <laughs> but um, yeah. I had another friend that I did a mango. She loved mango rum. So I did a, a guajillo, ancho, and pasilla. Those are the three peppers in the Mexican, what I call the Mexican trinity. That's what's in classic mole sauce, if you study mm-hmm. the Mexican cooking at all. And those are all low heat peppers. You know, so the funny thing is though, you know, an ancho pepper is actually a, a ripened poblano pepper that's been dried. Right. Uh, and, and a pasilla is a ripened dried uh, ch- uh, chalaca chili. And, you know, depending upon which variant you have, you have a chile negro, which is just a darker pasilla. Right. <laughs> so it's all basically the same pepper. And, and pasilla means little raisin, so there's some nice sweetness there. You know, the guajillo is more uh, notes of cranberry, so that's going to bring in some tart. And the ancho has those nice, you know, it's, it's got a little more sugar to it. It's got really earthy flavors, and it tends to be a little more smoky. So when you match all those things together, I have a, a mango gap sauce on my blog that basically is, is a, a use of those three low-heat peppers. But again, obviously, just the difference between the right pepper versus the unripe pepper and the naming it's really easy to get confused. Uh, two more things. Serrano peppers, those clock in about five times hotter than jalapenos. So a lot of people make the mistake when they're making salsa. Uh, they say, oh, I, I, I could get serranos, but I couldn't get jalapenos. I'll just <sighs> interchange them. You're going to have a lot spicier experience with the serrano oh, yeah. than you are with a, with a jalapeno. You know, so those are normally between twenty and 30,000 Scoville units. You know, cayenne pepper uh, is about thirty to 50,000. But here's the interesting thing. When you actually look at the Scoville ratings on products like Frank's or Tabasco, they're under, you know, Frank's is like a couple hundred. 
Tabasco is like 2000 because the fermentation process actually reduces the intensity of that capsaicin. Uh, you know, so, you know, when you start seeing the ones on, on the show that you referenced with the celebrities and they're up around, uh, you know, hundred thousand, 200,000 Scoville units, it's absolutely insane. And then actually I, I got a bottle of sauce that, that, uh, the main ingredient was habanero. So you really got to read your labels. Uh, that's my, my big encouragement is start learning your peppers and reading your labels to figure out what's in there. But, uh, you know, this, they put capsaicin extract in there of 6 million Scoville units. And the, the bottle, the guy sent it to me, had a little label on it, said, proceed with caution. And I looked at that and I had a Carolina Reaper, Scorpion, Ghost, 85% pepper mash, and that it didn't have the proceed with caution the other one did. And then it was only after I ate that one at about the same amount and it burned a hole through me um, <laughs> that I read on the bottle, oh, this has 6 million Scoville unit extract. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, and that's where, um, again, I, you know, when you're making fresh sauce, make it in small enough quantities so you can eat it in a reasonable period of time so you know it's going to last. And and it's make it like, you know, ketchup or mustard, you know, so that you can enjoy it and, you know, really dip your food in it and, and eat it with your French fries and put it on your popcorn and eat it with vegetables, you know, your carrot sticks and your celery and, and you know, enjoy it because the – thing that hot sauce has the amazing ability to do is it brings the salt, it brings the bitter, it brings the sour and the acid, the bitters from the tannins and the peppers. And, you know, in some cases you can sneak in some umami, uh, depending upon, you know, what kind of uh, other ingredients you might use. And certainly could chat on that until the cows come home, but you're going to get the full flavor experience. And that's why hot sauce works so well with so many foods that are just you know, you know, smoke and, and umami in a piece of meat, some hot sauce gives you all those other things to complete a complete flavor profile. Again, John, real quick, what's your website? It is hotsaucecookbook.com. And if you send me an email, contact at hotsaucecookbook.com, and you put Barbecue Nation in the subject line, <laughs> I will go ahead and I will send you five recipes that are not on the blog today. Oh, there you go. We'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Until then, be kind. And remember, turn it, don't burn it. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.